Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, strange days at shortstop. Why aren't the Falcons getting more respect? And Desmond doesn't have to be great, just good enough. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, too, we are now on the SiriusXM app, so you can check us out there and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So it's strange days at shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, this is the conundrum that you get yourself into when you lose a franchise caliber shortstop. So we saw over the weekend yesterday that Vaughn Grissom was demoted to Gwinnett. We just literally talked about this on Friday, right? We talked about the fact that Vaughn Grissom had struggled at shortstop defensively. Uh, he gets demoted down to Gwinnett. Shoemake does stay up with the uh, big club. And then Orlando Arcia is promoted back up to the big club. Now, again, Rezio Iglesias, he got promoted as well over the weekend. But the big one was Orlando Arcia. And literally, and what the, the crazy part about this is, is that it wasn't like Arcia went down and had any kind of rehab stand he didn't have any kind of you know uh designated assignment or any sort of thing like that no he was just literally brought back up to the big club and it tells you about how the Braves were feeling about their defense especially at shortstop you know Grissom had made an error over the weekend and he had some struggles out in the field right so it was this real conundrum where it was like okay this is not this is not getting better at shortstop. And I feel bad for Mar- uh, for uh, Vaughn Grissom because, you know, we all think that he could be the shortstop of the future. And we all think that he's got a shot to be, you know, a really good player. And he certainly showed the, – the crazy part is that he showed upside at a position that he had not played previously. He had never been a second baseman down in the minors and then last year – he gets the call up to take over for Ozzy at second base and plays pretty well, right? Did well with the glove, did well with the bat. <clears throat> and we all were kind of surprised and we all thought that, okay, he's going to be the shortstop of the future and he's going to take over for Dansby, you know? And then the, they pulled up Lee Corso, not so fast, my friends. But we saw, you know, now that that responsibility, and we talked about this on Friday about give the Braves some credit, they understood this too. They realized what was going on before we all did, right? And Von Grissom made six errors, you know, in his time up here compared to zero for Orlando Arcia. And literally, Arcia was right back in the lineup yesterday, right? Right back at shortstop. He hit, um, what, ninth in the order, went one for four, right? He was just literally right back, thrown in, no rehab assignment, no minor league stint, no, no, nothing. Just, hey, man, we need your glove and get out there. So 
I will give the Braves credit that, you know, they didn't linger with this decision. And I'll tell you the other thing that they didn't too is get it to a point where you lose confidence in a Vaughn Grissom, that that's the most important thing. I still think Vaughn Grissom has upside and I think he's got value and I think he can still be a long-term answer when you talk about shortstop. But what you don't want to got what you don't want to do is kill a guy's confidence, a young player's confidence this early in the game. You don't want to you don't want to leave him up and just watch him flail away or fail and then his offense would start to suffer and and all these kinds of things. And he was hitting about 270 something, so offensively he was hanging in there. It wasn't like a Christian Pache where, you know, he was hitting barely 200 and just looking like he was lost at the plate. You know, he was holding his own, you know, as far as at bat goes. But the defense, and that's what the Braves value more than anything, is defense at shortstop. And so when that wasn't going well, then it was time to make a change. And obviously, Arcea, he had been on the track to get himself back up to the majors you know, again, you know, this was coming, you know, here. But the fact is, is that they went in a very fast direction to to demote Vaughn Grissom and bring Arcia right back up. So strange days at shortstop that, you know, again, Vaughn Grissom was pulled the other night for a defensive sub in the game. Now, how often do you, do you see your starting shortstop get pulled for a defensive sub? That's not exactly, you know, instilling confidence in the guy and, not exactly the way you want this to be, you know, happening, but it's the reality of the situation. Have they figured out what their defense is going to be and, you know, what their solution is at shortstop? <clears throat> In some ways, no. In some ways, yes. You know, Arcia doesn't have to be all that good with the bat. You know, he's hitting, what, 327 right now after today, yesterday's action. Still... Still getting it done. I think it's on base is 389 and, you know, all this good kind of stuff. But that's not going to last. I mean, his his hitting is going to suffer at some point. I mean, he's not going to hit over 300 for the, for the year and, you know, have almost a 400 on base percentage. That, that's not realistic numbers. That That's never been anywhere near his numbers for his career. But for what the Braves value, that's his glove. And, and the fact is, is that, He's made no errors up to this point. Vaughn Grissom, in the short little bit of time that he had, made six errors. And that's the thing that the Braves can't live without. And, and again, they value their defense immensely when it comes to that shortstop position. And Alex Anthopoulos has talked about this. When it comes to shortstop, when it comes to catcher, when it comes to your center field, I mean, obviously, you want to be really good defensively up the middle. And they literally just brought Arcia right back into the fold, brought him right back into the mix. So again, it has been kind of strange days at, at, at shortstop. Like I said, I feel bad for Vaughn Grissom because we want to see him succeed. And, and you know, we really had kind of high hopes that, you know, not just through the offseason, but coming, you know, into spring training. And then, you know, when he got demoted at the very beginning of the regular season, we were like, okay, well, he's maybe one call up away from being back and we didn't necessarily see Arcia getting hurt, but you know, he was one call up away from being back up with the big club. And we all thought that, okay, that this, this could be, this could be a situation where, you know, he didn't win the job out of, out of uh, 
spring training, but you know, he can lock this job up for the long term. And I still think that he can certainly be your long-term shortstop. He's just got to improve. And I don't know what the deal was, whether he was, you know, thought he was under pressure or whatever it was, whatever caused him to kind of have the defensive mishaps that he had had with this ball club that it all just didn't kind of work out. So listen, Vaughn Grissom is going to go down to the minors. <clears throat> Hopefully he gets things worked out. Hopefully he gets things straightened out when all is said and done. But I still think he can be the answer at shortstop for the long term for the Braves. It's just interesting that they literally brought RC up. No rehab, no minor league stint. Let's get back up and get thrown right back in the fire of the big league club because we're struggling defensively at shortstop. Interesting stuff nowadays for the Atlanta Braves. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and <clears throat> we're locked into MLB season. So if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can sign up today at FanDuel.com and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. That's $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use, and obviously, as we're right in the heart of Major League Baseball season, you can bet on everything from money lines to prop bets to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to hit to everything in between, okay? So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and head there and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started and to learn more. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So why aren't the Falcons getting more love and more respect throughout the NFL? So just quick snapshots, okay? When you look at Fox Sports or Fox NFL or Fox Sports, um, they have their power rankings out for the NFL. And you go through the list and you look for the uh, Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta Falcons are sitting at 29th in the NFL. Below Tampa Bay, the only teams behind the Falcons are the Texans, Titans, and Cardinals. And Cardinals have maybe one of the worst rosters in the entirety of the uh, NFL right now. <clears throat> when you look at Pete Prisco and his power rankings in the NFL, right now he's got the Atlanta Falcons. And Pete Prisco's not necessarily a hater of the Atlanta Falcons in general. He was always a big Matt Ryan supporter, but he's got them 26th. He's got no team in the NFC South below what the Falcons are. The Patriots, Broncos, Colts, Texans, Rams, and Cardinals are below what the Atlanta Falcons are. Nate Davis with um, USA Today. He's got the Atlanta Falcons currently sitting at, uh, let's see here. He's got them currently sitting at 25th right now. Titans, Raiders, Buccaneers. So he's got the Buccaneers behind them. Commanders, Colts, Tex, or sorry, Commanders, Texans, Colts, Cardinals, all sitting behind. So why aren't the Falcons getting more love in, in this scenario? Why aren't they being favored to win the NFC South? You know, Vegas odds don't have them winning the NFC South. What is it about the Falcons that, you know, oh, is it disrespect or things like that? Can I tell you that this is this is the symptom of when you have 
five straight losing seasons. When you have five straight losing seasons in the NFL, in a sport that is designed to go from worst to first, you know, it's hard to lose for five straight years and feel like you're a competent organization. Now, again, we know the reality of, okay, the Falcons are going to be better this year and this and that. And yeah, do they still have questions? Sure. You know, are, are they able to win the NFC South? Sure. Are they the favorites to win the NFC South? Probably not. But when you've had five straight losing seasons in a sport where you're supposed to go from bad to good in a heartbeat, I mean, take the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? A couple of years ago in the debacle season with Urban Meyer and the coaching change and Lawrence's rookie year and all this good kind of stuff, right? All this fall all and all this kind of crazy stuff for it. They went three and 14. They followed that up the next year, this past season, with nine and uh, eight, won their division, had a winning record, you know, and, and looked like a, you know, fairly competent playoff team. So it's hard to go five straight losing seasons in the NFL if you're a good organization. And yeah, have, have we done our things and taken care of our business? And sure, I do believe that. I'm not doubting all of that. But you can understand why, though, that Pete Prisco and other Nate Davis and these guys, that they don't pick the Falcons and don't have faith in the Falcons. Because, again, in a sport that is designed to go from bad to good overnight, not this process of building things and all this, that, and the other. And the excuses are, you know, well, you know, we're in cap purgatory. Well, okay, well, every team's, you know, got those kinds of things they're facing. Saints have been a decade of cap purgatory. Like, they, they've, they've always been in cap jail, cap hell, whatever phraseology you want to use, they've always been there. And yet they find ways to sign guys. It's like the Falcons are the only team in the NFL that has to deal with the reality of a cap and things like that. Everybody else finds money. Everybody else finds money to spend on players. Oh, what, we need Honey Badger and Jarvis Landry right at the end? Okay, yeah, we'll sign those guys. Like everybody finds money to spend on players, except us. You know, we use that excuse. So, again, it's not really hard to figure out. It's not that the Falcons haven't improved. It's not that the Falcons don't look like they are better. But history tells you, you know, right? I mean, you know, past performance is an indicator of future performance, right? That, again, if you've had five straight losing, then this is why, this is why I talk about this, just because, again, it's hard to be bad for five years in a row. It's hard to be out of the playoff for an organization like the Falcons that had all kinds of success on the Matt Ryan regime, that they were a consistent playoff team, except for the last few years of Matt's run, but they were consistently through most of Matt's career, a consistent playoff team and win it all the time. I mean, you know, they got bounced out, you know, and early on in the playoffs and sometimes they went to the Super Bowl. you know, I mean, but they were always at least in the mix to be a competitive team. Even if they didn't win their division, they were in the mix to be a wild card team or something like that. But you've had five straight losing seasons in what is perceived to be a bad division. It's no wonder that 
Again, you don't have to think any deeper than this. It's no wonder that Pete Prisco and Nate Davis and guys like that don't look at the Falcons and say, well, geez, they're they're super talented, right? And and people across the NFL, again, they have my philosophy on the draft. They like B. John Robinson, the player. They they really like what he brings to the table, but they also scratch their head and say, You've had 39 sacks in two years. You've had 39 sacks in two years. You were two yards away from being the second best rushing team in the NFL, and you drafted a running back at eight. And they look and say, okay, you know, you, you have a lot of what-ifs as far as your defense goes. You know, yeah, you, you should be better on offense and this, than the other, but you still have questions about what your defense is. So, again, it's not a real mystery. When you're in a bad division and you've had five straight losing seasons, that's where the math doesn't add up. That's where the math is saying, okay, what really are we? What are we at the end of the day with all of this kind of stuff? Do I think personally that the Falcons are better? Yes, because we look at the Falcons every single day. We see that they have improved the quality of the roster. We see that there are things that they are doing to address the needs and issues of this team. But when you have that 35, just like we talk about all the time, the 35,000 foot view, the, the Peter King theory of football, you know, Peter knows more about the entirety of the NFL than anybody else. But when you look at the micro, you know, get the, get the Falcons under the microscope, we know more about the Atlanta Falcons because we live it. We eat it. We breathe it every single day. We're around it every single day. So that's why it's it's no more it's no more it's no more complex than that. You're in a division that is not very good, and you've had five straight losing seasons. This is not a matter of not believing in Arthur Smith or Terry Fontenot or what the quality of the roster is. It's a matter of okay, you guys haven't been good for a long time. Why would I expect you to be good now? Yeah, you've improved the roster and this and the other, but you look and say, okay, how much have we improved in the past rush or whatever? You know, whatever whatever really ails us, and it's the pass rush that really ails us, but again, that's another discussion for another day. <clears throat> but it's no more deeper than that. If you've not been good for five straight years, why would I all of a sudden imagine that you're going to be good now? It's the Ghostbusters theory. We are ready to believe you. And right now, there are a lot of folks that aren't ready to, be, to believe the Atlanta Falcons. Do I think that they can certainly for lack of a better term, rise up and get things done? Sure. I think they can be a good football team. They don't have to be a dominant football team when all is said and done, but they have to be a good football team. And if they don't, if they don't turn the corner around with this franchise, you know, in this third year of Arthur and Terry, there's going to be some questions asked. If it's another 7-10 and 10 season, I think that Arthur and Terry get the start of the 2024 season but if they get off to a rough start, they won't be around in much longer. That's the reality of it all. So, again, it's no more deeper than the fact that the Falcons haven't had success over the last five years. They're not in a very good division. And until the Falcons do it, there's no reason to pick them to do it. All right, let's talk about our, our, our uh, sorry, as we say, uh, when you first make John Chuckery your first listen in every day, Make sure that you go into the comment section of whatever platform you're listening on, YouTube, wherever, and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. So we thank you so much for being as what we call an everydayer 
to the program, listening in five days a week. Let us know that you are an everydayer. Let your voice be heard, that you are an everyday listener to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. We thank you so much for obviously being a part of our community every single day. So Desmond Ritter is obviously one of the big wild cards for what the Atlanta Falcons want to be this year. So does Ritter have to be great? Does he have to be Aaron Rodgers level or Lamar Jackson level or any sort of thing like this where he's an elite quarterback for the Falcons to win? I say no. And I don't want to use the term game manager for Desmond Ritter. But there are similarities to being a game manager, you know, and, and having to be a dominant quarterback. Look, the reality is that the Falcons aren't a Super Bowl team. The, the Falcons aren't winning the Super Bowl. Could the Falcons find a way? I mean, okay, sure. I mean, hope springs eternal, and we may feel like we have the roster to do some things and compete in the NFC and blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. But Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be a dominant quarterback this year. When you look at what I what I think is the most important thing for Desmond Ritter is a couple of areas, okay? Number one, in, Arthur's, in Arthur Smith's first year, they were 24th in red zone efficiency. That number got up to 14th in the NFL as far as percentage of red zone touchdowns based upon the trips that you have in the red zone, okay? So they were 24th in Arthur's first year, 14th last year, okay? If the Falcons are going to succeed, that number has to go to the top five. That has to be, we have to be a top five red zone offense. That means basically you're scoring touchdowns on two thirds of your possessions. You're scoring two touchdowns for every either missed opportunity or a field goal. And we have to be that kind of team. Now we should be that kind of team. If, if you're going to tell me that we've got Bijan and Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and now we've got John U. Smith <clears throat> and Cordero Patterson and all these other guys that we have on our offense. And then obviously our offensive line, right? We, we've got McGarry and Lindstrom locked up for the long term. We've got Bergeron, a second round pick that he's going to compete for that left guard spot. We still got Jake, you know, again, questions about Dolman, but okay, we'll roll the dice on all of that. So we should still be a very good offensive line, okay? <clears throat> but we need to be an elite red zone offense. So that's number one, is that that, that part of it, you know, we, we went from 24th to 14th, okay? Now we need to be a top five or six red zone offense. We need to be elite in that level. Not good, not, not good, elite in that level, okay? Now, the other thing too is I don't think that Desmond Ritter is going to be a turnover machine. Right. I mean, one of the things that really hindered what this offense could do last year was the fact that even if it wasn't a turnover, it was the fact of Marcus Mariota putting the ball on the carpet. Sometimes they were turnovers. Sometimes he recovered his own fumble, but putting the ball on the carpet or putting a ball up in harm's way, throwing the interception that creates a turnover. So, again, we had a quarterback last year that I don't want to say it was a turnover machine, but certainly he did not put you in a good position to win games. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to put this team in a bad position to lose football games. I don't think he's going to put the ball repeatedly on the turf 
or up into harm's way where, you know, the other team can make a play on all of it. I think he's a smarter quarterback than that. And the third thing is, is that Desmond Ritter is a winner. And he's a guy that probably overachieved in college, but led Cincinnati to a playoff. Obviously, games against Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State over the years of his career. This kid's a winner. And, and there is that innate ability. Look, say what you will last year, right? But Marcus Mariota was 5-8 and eight when he played as a starter, okay? Desmond Ritter was 2-2. Two and two. Now, if you just do simple math and you don't overcomplicate things, okay, is 5-8 and eight better than 2-2? Two and two? Maybe in new math, that's the way that things work. But Desmond Ritter was 2-2. Two and two. And I don't care... Look, I don't care if teams gave up, if they threw in the towel, whatever, okay? They still had they could still go out and win an NFL football game, right? That's a them problem if if that's the reasons why. But Ritter was 2 and 2 with this roster. And every week he got himself better. Do I think that he's got to be elite and Aaron Rodgers level and Pat Mahomes level and all this kind of stuff? No. No, I don't think he has to be at that kind of level. But if he doesn't turn the football over, if our red zone offense, which there's no excuses, there are zero excuses for us to be not be a top five red zone offense, right? Like we can't have all of these guys drafted and not be a top five red zone off, top five, six, whatever, okay? 66%, you know, two, two thirds of the time when you're in the red zone, you score touchdowns, right? There's no excuses for all of that. If we're if we're a middle of the road red zone offense, then I am going to have a problem with Arthur Smith. Then I am going to have a problem with the way we've drafted and things like that. So I don't think Desmond Ritter's a turnover machine. I think we can be an elite level red zone offense, and the kid's a winner. And the kid finds a way to win football games. And when you put all of that together, then I think the Falcons are going to have a successful season for it. But he doesn't need to be, you know, look, he's not going to get by on just his ability to fling the ball all over the yard, to make all these crazy types of throws that, you know, where he puts it in the tightest windows imaginable and things like that. And I don't think the Falcons are going to ask that of him. So, again, if they can be efficient, you know, uh, without turning the football over, be an elite red zone offense, and the fact that this kid is a winner, I think all of that plays into success for Desmond Ritter when it's all said and done. Does he have to be elite? No. Would would we take that if he if he does become elite? Sure. If he's elite, then that increases our chances to go even further in the playoffs and things like that. But for what this team needs out of Desmond Ritter, where we probably are going to be balanced or still a little bit more run heavy, Desmond Ritter doesn't have to be the babe, the boy, when all is said and done. We do need to be elite in the red zone. But again, I think he can be just an efficient quarterback when we get in the season and just run this offense the way it's supposed to be run. All right, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listener today. Make sure that you go into the comments section and leave us a note that you are an everyday listener. So whether on YouTube, whatever platform that you're on, Leave us a comment that lets us know you're an everydayer, as we like to call them, 
We thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. And you can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. You can subscribe or for fo- follow for free on our YouTube page or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, too, Sirius XM app. Believe it or not, we are on Sirius XM now. So check us out on the Sirius XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Thank <laughs> you.